0: I want to take a moment and I want to encourage you. If you had a week like I had, or you've had weeks in your life that have just been a struggle, um, maybe your life has been a struggle. As we get into the this, this scriptures, this text, I want you to take a moment and I want you to know right now that this church is a home. This church is a place for you. Why? Because this is Jesus' church. And I know that Jesus loves you far more and greater than you even can imagine. And so before we go any further, when we come here on Sunday mornings, it's not to check something off our list. It's not to fulfill a good work to earn God's good grace or favor or blessing. We come here to be reminded that He loves us so greatly and so dearly. We come here to be reminded because we so often forget to put our hope and trust and faith in Jesus. We come here not for what we can get, but to be for us. We come here not just to sing songs and listen to someone talk for 20, 30, 40 minutes. We do this because of Jesus. And I want you to know that you're deeply loved by him. That you're deeply loved by him. And what we're going to see as we look into this text is we're looking at Jesus as the door. Now, we have houses and we have homes. And there's a difference in the two, isn't there? Houses are a physical building or structure um, that you can purchase or rent or lease. But a home is is where you live. A home is the place where you feel safe. A home is the place where you stay in your jammies all day long because you have nothing to do all day, right? Unless you need to go to Walmart, you can stay in your jammies. (laughs) If you're going to Target, you better dress up. (laughs) Growing up, I lived in primarily one house my whole life that I remember. My sister and brother-in-law now live in that house um, on Pottery Road right over in Washington. That was my home the reason that we lived in one house is because my mom moved around a lot when she was younger her parents took them all over the place from missouri to washington state to california and then back here and my mom always wanted us to not move around because she wanted us to have some stability she wanted us to have a home and that home saw a lot of work and it's still having a lot of work. And there's a lot of things you gotta fix, right? You know this is, you. things break. But it was my home, it was my safe place. And I always remember that when we would go on vacation, um, we never locked the door. We were on a dead end street and you really had to know how to get to our house and how to get to our place to even get in. So we, the only time we locked the door would be at night before we went to bed. But when we left the house, do you remember these days? We just left the door unlocked. And then when we go on vacation, we would scramble around. Well, I wouldn't. My parents would try to find the house key because we never locked the house. Until one time, I had my 1990 Ford Ranger four-cylinder, the, 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 most, the most basic truck and the greatest truck I've ever owned, Joe Drysdale. <laughs> Didn't even come with a radio, didn't come with um, air conditioning, um, didn't come with power steering, it was a stick shift, it was, you better be moving to turn the wheel. It was black, it had vinyl seats, you got out of there in the summer, you were drenched. And I put a stereo in there, and I put these speakers in the back, and I parked it, you know, at my house, until one time, one day I woke up, and I went out there, and I tried to turn my radio on, and nothing came on. And our speakers, my speakers in my truck were gone, Right? Do you remember those days not locking the house? And now, when our kids are outside, we have to watch them like hawks because we don't know who's going to come down the street and be a potential thief or robber. This is the world in which we live in. But I want us to think back to what is a home what is your home? What is your safe place? Where is the place you find refuge that you know that you are protected? Because when you go home, you lock that door. And you lock that door for two reasons. You lock it to keep your family safe so that they can feel at home. And you lock it to keep bad people out, right? Now, as we look at this text, I want you to understand um, that Jesus is saying that he is the door. And, and we're going to look through what this all means. So let's pick up the text in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Now, as we pick this text up, what we're looking at is we're looking at the the, the chapter 9. Jesus healed a, a man born blind. And the Pharisees didn't have anything in, in their ability to heal him. In fact, they blamed his parents for his blindness and the sins that caused him to, bl- to be blind. And what Jesus said, um, he was blind so that he could show the glory of God, and Jesus healed him. Now the religious leaders, the Pharisees, didn't like this very much. And so they were the shepherds, real quick picture, they were the shepherds of the flock. And they were poor shepherds. And then we get into this text that we're going to break down in two sermons. This week, I'm covering the door. Next week, John's covering the good shepherd. And we see Jesus talk about himself as the shepherd, and what an actual good shepherd will do for his flock. So let's pick this text up, let's read it, and then we're going to go through this text chunk by chunk, I want to share with you, what, it is, what does it mean that Jesus is the door? What comfort can we find? What conviction might we have because he is the door, he is the way? What does this say about Jesus, our good shepherd? So John chapter 10, verse 1, Follow along with me. Truly, truly, I say to you. This is on the heels of these poor Pharisees treating the religious people they're shepherding poor. Okay, do you have that? Do you understand that? And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. And I think many of us know verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, how many times have we heard verse 10 and we've heard people abuse that passage? Your best life now. That this means that your life, because you're blessed, should look differently. And I'm going to get to that at the end of this message. But I want you to get this picture that Jesus laying out what does it mean for him to be a shepherd and what does a good shepherd do? He does a couple things. But the first thing I want us to look at is Jesus says he is the door. So what is the door? Now, in ancient Israel, and still in the Middle Eastern cultures now, in Australia and Britain, they do it differently. But if you go, to go over to the Middle East, and some of you have been over there, you've probably seen sheep running around. And the sheep would intermix. And oftentimes, the people on tour buses would always ask, well, how do they know what sheep are theirs? And if you go back to this text, you see that it says that the sheep know his voice. Now, sheep aren't the smartest animals, but they do have a couple things that connect. And you're lucky because I had this video that I was going to show you to show you how not smart sheep are, and I decided not to show it. Because we are the sheep, and sometimes we do silly, dumb things, don't we? But here's the thing about sheep. They recognize their shepherd's voice, and so when he calls out to them, And it's time for them to split up. He starts walking. And did you notice that? In verse uh, 4, it says, When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. You see, Jesus as the good shepherd, as the great shepherd, is one that leads out in front. He's not behind pushing the sheep forward. He's out front taking any danger and risk out of the equation. Because if he comes into a situation, maybe it's a uh, ground that's falling over. Maybe it's a cliff. Maybe there's um, thieves or robbers or lions. He's in front of them ready to take the brunt because he's protecting the sheep and they know his voice. So when he calls to them, they separate and they follow him. I want to paint a picture of the Good Shepherd, Shepherd, as we see what Jesus is comparing himself to, and and indeed he is the Great Shepherd, but he is the door. And so, what is the door? In ancient Israel, they would have these sheepfolds, and I've got a picture of one, and this is um, an actual picture of um, what potentially is or could have been. Maybe it was a foundation for a house, but here's what they were: sheepfolds were surrounded on all three sides except for the gate. And they were small walls. Sometimes they'd be structures like this. Sometimes, as John and I were talking, they'd be caves because there's only one way in. Sometimes they'd be old abandoned buildings. Sometimes they'd be natural barriers and structures. And what they would do is they would have one way in and one way out. And so the sheep came into the sheepfold. And as you can see in this picture, there's a shepherd kind of sitting in the doorway, in the gateway, he was the gatekeeper now depending on how many sheep and how many shepherds sometimes they would hire out a door uh, a gatekeeper someone to watch the door and this had to be someone they trusted someone who was a friend that they could count on because they know that their job is to protect the sheep when they're in the fold and not let anyone in to the pen and so we see Jesus displaying that he is in fact the door and the door has a couple of reasons. The door is there to protect his flocks. Jesus, as our great shepherd, as our door, he protects his flock. Now, what does he protect them from? If we go back into our text, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another, by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. You see, there's two different contexts here for these thieves and robbers. Do you remember Jesus telling the parable of the Good Samaritan? And there were robbers on the road, and they were a gang, and they came, and they all took the Samaritan man, and they beat him, and they stripped him, and they took everything he had and left him for dead. And then you've got the thieves, and the thieves want to sneak in and take something out that's not theirs. And one of the, the, the primary roles of the gatekeeper was that he would protect the flock from any thieves and robbers coming over. And this is Jesus' is calling out the religious leaders of his day because they were fleecing the flock. Do you know what that means? Have you heard that term? I remember there used to be a segment on the news channel um, that I would watch with my parents when I was younger. Fleecing of America. Right? And they would talk about how there were times, whether it was government officials or people or corporations, and they would fleece the sheep to their advantage and this is exactly what the religious leaders were doing they were fleecing the flock they were stealing they were thieves and robbers and so when Jesus says thieves and robbers he's talking to the religious leaders and no doubt they heard him and no doubt they wanted to kill him and Jesus is making a statement that he is a door and here is his role he is to protect his flock from thieves and robbers now how does this apply to you and I We have to know the shepherd's voice in order to listen to the shepherd's voice because there are a lot of voices, aren't there? There are a lot of talking heads. There are a lot of internet preachers. There's a lot of friends in your life. There's a lot of books to be read. There are a lot of voices trying to tell us one thing. And here's how you know you're listening to the shepherd. He has spoken. And when you know his word and you compare everything to the word of God, you're hearing the voice of God. And so we have to be, again, students of the word. We have to hear the shepherd's voice because what do we compare it to? Because here's what my heart tells me. My feelings tell me one thing. My heart tells me one thing. And sometimes that may line up with what is in this book. And sometimes it will come against it. And when it comes against it, I have to lay down my feelings. And I have to submit to the authority of this book. Because this is the shepherd's voice. And so we have to be aware of these voices in our world, in our society, in our communities, even in our own heads, right? Right? To always submit to the authority and the lordship of Jesus as our good shepherd, that we hear his voice because he is here to protect his flock. That's what a gatekeeper does. He protects us from thieves and robbers, which we read in verse 10 when to steal and kill and destroy. He's not talking about your house. He's not talking about your cars. He's not talking about your clothes. He is talking about the most important thing that we have, and that is our faith in Christ. This is an eternal kingdom that, li- that exists here now, but we look to the not yet for Christ's return. We look to the abundant life that is to come in the world to come, not in the world that exists here in 2021. So we protect this. We protect our faith. We protect... Our trust in putting our hope in Christ. And we hear his voice. And anything that comes against the word of God, we've got to fight against. Jesus again reiterated this. He says, so again, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will, fight, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Now, if you've read the Old Testament much, you may have went right past this chapter in Ezekiel, chapter 34. I'm not going to read it to you, but I am going to summarize it for you. Because Ezekiel, a prophet in the exile, was telling the Israelites that the leaders of the nation were poor shepherds that were taking advantage of your lives. So much so, they abandoned their God and let you be conquered by another nation because you have put your faith and trust in something else and there are only a few left and you can read that for yourself but here in ezekiel chapter 34 we have this promise now this is post david king david who lived this is hundreds of years after king david had lived and he says this in verse 20 in ezekiel um, 34 he says therefore thus says the lord god to them after he laid out this case that your shepherds have done a poor job in shepherding you. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I. I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Who do you think the fat sheep are? They're the religious leaders, aren't they? The ones that used religion in the name of God, to take advantage of those who are desperate and hungry, to know that God loves them and cares for them. And he says, God says, I will judge them. And he goes on, because you push with, with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns, till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. That is good news. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them, listen to this, One shepherd. Do you know who he's talking about in this text? My servant, David. Now, how could it be the servant, David, if David had already lived and already died? How could he be talking about the servant of David who would be the one shepherd? I think we know, don't we? There was a greater David, a perfect David, and his name is Jesus. And he's looking forward to the good shepherd who is the great king. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. It is going to be done. You know what was interesting is I um, didn't plan this, but I opened this up this morning because I used different Bibles and and resources to read. And I found this note from my mom. It was in that chapter. And I'm not going to read it to you, but she just... Encourages me to keep shining for Jesus. He is our good shepherd. He protects us from thieves and robbers. Let's move on because I'm going to try to keep this sermon short. The other thing the door does, and Jesus is the door, is he guards his flock. Now you may say, well, what's the difference between protection and guarding? Guarding means you're within the confines of his blessing in his home. My house is protected. Is your home protected? I not only lock the doors... But I have other avenues in case some bad man might come into my house. I'm protecting my sheep because there are people that will want to infiltrate. But I want my kids, I want my wife, I want anyone who walks into my house to feel that they are safe. That this is a safe place for them. That they can be home. That they can kick their feet up. That they can rest. And this is the promise we have in Jesus. He says this in John chapter 10. He says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd lets those into the fold. He is the one that protects. We put our trust and faith in the shepherd who is the doorkeeper. He says this, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Sounds familiar for another psalm that we're going to get to in a few minutes. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The shepherd protects his sheep in the fold, and not only in the fold as the doorkeeper, he allows them in and out to make sure that they can go out and pasture. What a beautiful picture of a good and caring God and a shepherd and a rescuer that would take care of us in this way. Now, I have a picture of a sheep. This is what a sheep's supposed to look like. He's a little fuzzy, um, when you see a, 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 a lamb, a, a baby sheep, they're like pure white. So when we sing those songs, pure, white, wool, purer than the snow that you see that freshly falls in the wintertime. This, this sheep's a little dirty, could use a bath. Um, then there's this sheep. This isn't the only sheep of the picture that I found. And to avoid being political, this is in Australia. I won't give you his name because I'm not trying to make this political. But this is a sheep that was lost in the forest for six to seven years. He couldn't see. He had 80 pounds of wool on his body. Now, I don't have the picture of when they shaved him, but they shaved him. They could make like 35 men's suits, a few hundred pairs of socks. All with the wool taken off. This is what happens when you walk out the door and you leave the fold and out of the protection of the shepherd. When you're within the bounds and near the shepherd, you can hear his voice. He can call to you. You know you're safe and protected because he is near you. He calls you home and and puts you within the sheepfold. So that you don't become like this. And here's the thing: we all do this, we all go outside the bounds of God's parameters. And yet we pray for God's blessing in our life when we're living a lifestyle that is not honoring to our God. And we abandon him and we leave him and we become a mess and we become burdened with 80 pounds that we cannot carry and we're never intended to carry. And we become dirty. The sheep had sticks and thorns stuck in all over his wool. This is not the picture of a sheep with a shepherd. But there's good news because we all do this, right? And so there's two things. We find our trust in Christ knowing that we can trust him with all things. That we can trust him with the questions in our lives that we don't have the answers for. That we don't have to put our trust and faith in our accomplishments. We don't have to put our trust and faith in our credit score. We don't have to put our trust and faith in the clothes that we wear or how much Bible that we have memorized. We don't have to put our trust and faith in hoping we can find someone that will complete me. These are very subtle ways that sheep wander from the shepherd because when we do those things and we all do them, we are in essence putting our belief and trust in ourselves and not in Christ. You know what we do when that happens? Jesus' message was repent and believe. The apostles came and said, repent and believe. And he's saying that to you and I, that even as believers, if you are a believer and been walking with Christ one day or your whole life, we struggle with this because sometimes we just don't believe, do we? We struggle with trust. We struggle with our faith. We struggle with putting our hope in ourselves, and we need to turn from that. We need to repent and turn back to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, Lord, I have trusted myself. I have trusted in things of the world that offer me nothing. But false hope, and I'm turning back to you. This is the message that we believe each and every week. Because we don't want to end up like that sheep. But here's the beautiful picture. Jesus shared this in Luke chapter 15. There were three parables he shared, stories. And one was called the lost sheep. Right? There's a song called Reckless Love, which I like, but we don't do because I don't want to explain that God's not reckless in his love, he's not without thought, although when he does, it appears in a human understanding it appears that God's reckless. But the cross was not reckless. He saw the sheep and he left the 99 in the sheepfold and he went out into a dangerous terrain and he picked up that sheep and he laid him over his shoulders. And he carried that sheep back to the fold because that's where he's safe. That's where he's protected. And some of you have been running outside the bounds of God's pasture. And let me tell you, Jesus is a step away. When you turn, you're going to find him and he's going to pick you up on his shoulders and he's going to carry you. You don't have to trim yourself of all the stuff you've been carrying. He takes it off of you. You just have to turn to him. This is the beautiful thing about Christianity. The beautiful thing about the gospel is we are not required to do a work. And you'd be surprised how many people think that if they come to this building or that church or whatever church, that if they walk in that building, that the walls are going to fall down. Maybe some of your relatives or friends have told you that. I can't come there. And then we've got the opposite. I'm not going to church full of hypocrites. Yeah, welcome to the real world. We're all in need of the grace of God. But this is our home. This is the bride of Christ. This is where we come to give it to Jesus. You see that cross up there? A pastor of mine says, and he probably stole it from another pastor, but he always says, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You could be the king of a country and a poor begging widow. And when you come to the cross, you look to Jesus. And so we carry these things. And he picks us up. And we turn to him. And we trust Jesus with our very lives, with our stress, with all the things that we carry. We say, Jesus, this is I'm giving this to you. And he doesn't promise it that it will be easy. And so Jesus guards his flock. And then we get to this last part. Jesus is the only way. Man, that just sounds very judgmental and harsh, doesn't it? If Jesus is the door, if Jesus is the gateway, he says in John chapter 14, verse 6, and I'm sorry, Eli, I jumped ahead. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through me. Sounds very exclusive and inclusive, doesn't it? But, but that's the thing. In Jesus, when we come and put our faith in Him, it's very exclusive because He is the way. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this as He's teaching the crowds. He says, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide that, and the way is Easy that leads to destruction. You know, as a parent, sometimes um, bedtime doesn't go as planned, right? You know why it doesn't go as planned? Because I'm tired. (laughs) And it's easier just to say, "I don't care. Just do what you do what you're supposed to do." Then an hour later, I'm like, "Why are you still up? Why are you not brushed your teeth? Right? Why does the gate and..." And easy is the life that leads to destruction. And we live in a culture that wants to make everything a creature comfort. Everything as easy as possible. You can scan on your phone a little picture and it takes you to our website and you can fill out information from your phone. We try to make some things easy. (laughs) But the life of a follower of Christ is anything but. It's a struggle. It's a one step, a two step forward, one step back. It is a daily decision to follow Christ no matter the cost, laying aside our creature comforts for the sake of his will and his way. He goes on and he says in Matthew chapter 7, uh, chapter seven verse 13, he says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. In Luke, one of the religious leaders, says, well, how many will will be saved? And Jesus just bypasses it. He doesn't even answer it. I find that interesting, that Jesus didn't answer it. What he did tell him was, put your faith in Christ. Put your faith in the Son of Man. Put your faith in the Savior of the world, and you will be saved. John 3.16 tells us this, that whoever believes and puts their faith in Christ shall be saved. You and I don't know the number, but we do know this, that it's narrow, and yet it's inclusive for anyone to recognize Christ as Savior and understand themselves as a sinner who's offended a holy and righteous God. That if we put our faith and trust in the work of Jesus and we trust him he says you will be or that it will be easy it's difficult isn't it amen, amen. why because you struggle in the flesh you still have desires your, your spirit is at work within you fighting against your flesh <coughs> And thank God the Spirit of God lives in us, helping us, shaping us, finishing the work that he he started us. He's going to complete it. He's going to do the work. And we get to follow along with him as the shepherd leads us. But that's not a message that the world wants to hear, that Jesus is the only way. But here's the thing. Although it's very exclusive, it is the most inclusive thing because you don't have to clean yourself up. You just have to come to the end of yourself. Acts 4.12, as the apostles picked up this message, they they said this, Peter says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other way but Jesus. Other religions get this wrong. They have a different Jesus, or they don't even have a Jesus. And everything they do is to work to appease their God and hoping that they might make it to the next world. I've talked to uh, a guy named, uh, I won't tell you his name, He's, he's a JW, he's a Jehovah's Witness. And I have engaged with him for the last few years. And I go to the same place he goes to and I eat there and we talk. And I asked him, do you know that you're going to be saved? And he says, no, but I hope that I am. But in Jesus, he saves us and he does all the work. And he is the only way. Any other Jesus, any other religion outside of Christ is the wide door. Narrow is the door. But I believe that God's table is pretty big, don't you? I believe that that banquet, when we feast with Christ, when he returns and he lays out the banquet and he sets us as broken and as as feeble as we are, he sets us at the table because we are his sons and his daughters and he puts us to the table and he brings us there and he enjoys this banquet of his kingdom i believe there'll be a lot of people at that table but he is the way i want to finish with this we can rest under the shepherd Are you exhausted the last couple of years has been different I don't know why you might be exhausted, why you might be carrying this extra workload, um, but I know spiritually we have the promise in Hebrews that in Christ we have his rest. And we rest in his work. And so as the good shepherd, what he does is he allows us to rest in him. We can sleep at night because he's guarding the door. When your kids are scared, or when you had kids when they were younger and they were scared of the dark, What would they do? Would they find your your room? Find your bed? I woke up and there's another human being in my bed this morning. (laughs) Daddy, I'm scared. Mommy, I'm scared. Can I come into your room? Yeah. Yeah, you can. Because they feel safe there. The doors are locked. The windows are shut. The nightlight is on. I am literally 10 feet from your room. Can I come into your room? And we say yes. Under Jesus, it's the same thing. We come into his fold, and he protects us, and we can rest. And you can rest under the great shepherd. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The abundant life is in Christ. And if Christ is all you have, you have everything. And if you have everything this world has to offer and you have not Christ, you have Nothing. Can you imagine the abundant life when Christ returns? Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? You have no needs. You have no hurts. You have no pains. You have no stress. You have no worries. You have no concerns. You are sitting at the feet of Jesus in the face of Christ, and you're worshiping him in spirit and truth, and that's all you'll ever need. And you'll never get tired. You'll never get bored. You'll never get sleepy. You'll never be hungry. You'll have all that you have because in life in Christ, is an abundance beyond you can imagine, above anything that this world could ever offer you. And yet Jesus gives us this life. The abundant life is not that in Christ, in this world, you may have all the things your heart ever desired. Now certainly, God is so good that he gives us good gifts. Right? He gives us good gifts. But don't confuse that with the abundant life that we have in Christ. I want to end with this because I want you to rest in Jesus this morning and I want to turn to Psalm 23. And it's going to be on the screen. That Jesus is the shepherd that guards the sheepfold of which we are a part of. Of which he knows your name of which he is deeply concerned and caring about your life, of which he is such a good father, a good God, a good shepherd, that he will remove things in your life to get you to trust him more fully. But you can rest well in Christ. You can rest well in the good shepherd. And so I thought, as we finish up this text today, Psalm 23. What a beautiful picture of our role in trusting Jesus as our shepherd. Would you read this with me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Thank you for being so good to us. Lord, I pray this morning that as our shepherd, as our gate hope and faith, that are not you. And Lord, we would find the grace when we wander from and rest in you today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.